Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, it's great to see you all here this morning. Uh, Thank you to those especially who've been here each morning. Congratulations on your spirit of endurance. And uh, it is nice to see some new faces here today as well. Um, For those who have just arrived, this week we've been following the theme of God's body beautiful or Christ's body beautiful. We've been thinking of the church as Christ's beautiful body and Christ's beautiful bride. Thank you. And uh, this morning we really conclude that series. We've been looking at some passages in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and uh, we will return there this morning again, but only briefly, as we'll be looking at another part of Scripture as well. Uh, Aren't our bodies so important? Raymond mentioned about the beauty salon. Obviously, anything that happens there Um, affects our body and how we look. I guess looking around the gathering here this morning, some of us have had the experience of a hip replacement and all that that operation has involved. Well, now, I hope yours was more successful than this one. Now, I do warn you, please don't think your eyesight is failing, okay? Um, This image is not as clear as I would like it to be. So please don't worry that your eyesight is dimming or anything like that. And I will read the caption so that you uh, see what it is. The caption is simply this. I can't say I'm entirely pleased with my hip replacement. (laughs) I can't say I'm entirely pleased with my hip replacement. I hope you are entirely pleased with your hip replacement. In fact, I have a cousin in hospital at this very moment having her second hip replacement. Um, Before I tell you which part of the body we will be looking at this morning, I want to share with you a personal experience that I shared one evening the last time I was speaking at this convention. And every word of this is true. I'm sure you wouldn't suspect anything else anyway. I I remember hearing it said of Canon Harry Sutton that Harry spoke the truth, the whole truth, and sometimes a little bit more than the truth. But, you know, some of us are given to exaggeration. Some of you may have noticed that my nose is not its original shape. It uh, looks a little bit more like a banana than the original nose I had. I'll tell you why, because in my youth, as I told you earlier in the week, I played rugby like David Carson over here. And by the way, we weren't sworn enemies, Bangor, Grammar and Sullivan, Upper Hollywood, but we weren't far off it. And it was only for the endurance of the rugby match. After that, David, everything was fine. Um, And on one occasion, when uh, for Sullivan, uh, on the first 15, I was playing against Friends School Lisburn, somebody's head connected with my nose in an encounter of the closest kind. Uh, I have no doubt his head never even noticed this, but my nose has never been the same since. And I've had six nose operations over the years. Let me tell you about the last one. We were still living in Cavan. Helen and I drove down to Dublin. In fact, on that journey, I discovered you can't always trust Google because I'd Googled 
Google map to get the directions to where I was going. We ended up half a, mile, half a mile away from where we should have been. So that church was right that had a big poster outside the church so that every passerby could see it when it said, Google can't answer all your questions. <laughs> and that is true. So anyway, we got to Dublin, found the place eventually. I was admitted. And the next morning before the operation, the nurse came into the room and she said, Bishop Clark, I need to explain the pre-op procedures. Well, I knew that would happen. I was quite happy with that. But I did not like the next three words she said. I really didn't. Do you know what she said next? At your age. <laughs> now, at that moment, things started to go downhill for me. That indicated to me that had I been younger, she wouldn't have to say what she was now about to say. But it got worse. It got worse. As she continued the sentence which began with, at your age, she then produced two visual aids. Now, folks, you need to understand this was quite traumatic for me. Actually, I'll be honest, this was worse than the operation. She held in her hands two white stockings. Now, you need to understand these were not just ordinary stockings. These were skin-hugging, tight-fitting white stockings. And it got worse. I was to wear these. <laughs> now, I cannot speak for rugby players nowadays, but let me tell you, when I played rugby, we would not have worn white tights or stockings or anything even resembling that. We were men. So I thought, oh dear, right. And she said, now these are so tight, I'll have to help you put them on. <laughs> so I got my left leg out of the bed. We'll never forget it. And then I had a moment of revelation. I thought, oh my goodness, this isn't going to go somewhere where it maybe shouldn't go. Because I suddenly remembered at that moment something that I've known all my life but would quickly become a revelation to her. I have two of the tickliest feet that the Lord has ever created. <laughs> and I mean that. They are incredibly tickly. So I thought there, by this time she'd rolled one of these tights up so it looked like a kind of large, enlarged pulament. And she moved in the direction of my left foot. You can just see the picture, can't you? My toe's up there and she comes, she is no more than halfway down my left foot trying to put this thing on when I am uncontrollably laughing. <laughs> uncontrollably laughing. What happens when you're with someone who's uncontrollably laughing? You start laughing too, don't you? And she did. And at that moment I thought, Clark, it's over. If anybody walks within 20 yards of the door of this room and here's a bishop of the Church of Ireland and a nurse <laughs> laughing their heads off in this room. I'm finished. I could just see the headlines in the Sunday newspapers. They would have had a ball. So that's how it all started. Now, why do I tell you this? I'm sure there are some people thinking, Oh, I'm glad in our tradition we've never had bishops and we certainly never will. Imagine telling a story like that at a Bible reading. Well, it's going to get worse. I want to ask you something I guarantee a pastor or preacher has probably never asked you before. Here goes. How are your feet? Honestly? Tickly? 
swollen, sore, smelly, tired, a few blisters, chillblains. I have a friend who's a pastor in Belfast. He was visiting a lady in East Belfast one day, and during the course of the conversation, she said to him, I've just been at the cherry potest. <laughs> now, he had heard many things in his lifetime. He was totally baffled. He thought, what is a cherry potest? So, discreetly and wisely, he asked a few probing questions, hoping that whatever this was would, you know, come to light. Chiropodist. She had problems with her feet. How are your feet, folks? Have you been at the cherry potest recently? <laughs> or the chiropodist? Now, let me explain why I ask you all this. And this may surprise some of us. The God we worship, the Jesus Christ we know and love, is actually interested in your feet and mine. More so than perhaps we have ever, ever realized have you ever seen these words before? How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I submit to you that this is such an important principle and practice, such an important description of God's people that this is stated in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Read the book of the prophet Isaiah. Read Paul's letter to the Romans. And in the context of the gospel message spreading and in the context of preaching, how are they to hear without a preacher? And Paul quotes these words from the prophet Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And what I'd like us to think about for a few minutes together this morning is beautiful feet. Another mark of Christ's beautiful body. And Christ calls all who follow him to be men and women, young people, boys and girls with beautiful feet. Good news, people. That is our calling. If you read through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, there actually aren't very many references to feet. I would love you to help me with this sometime. Maybe I've missed it, but I only could find one specific reference to feet, and that's in Ephesians chapter 6, in that very, very well-known passage on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 having spoken about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, Paul goes on to say, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And if a gospel of peace isn't good news, I don't know what is. So even the armor of God, which is all about battle, also speaks about blessing peace, something beautiful. And that is God's calling on you and me and on the church today to be a people with beautiful feet. Of course, in chapter 5, 
Paul uses the verb walk several times, and it's very difficult to walk if we haven't feet, isn't it? We're to walk as the wise, not as the unwise, as we saw earlier this week. We're to follow God's example, Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. We're to follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I'd like us to think just for a few minutes of people who are people with beautiful feet in Scripture and also then secondly to think of people who have been people of beautiful feet in your life and in mine. Somebody who we very rarely hear about in the church is a man whom we only read about as far as I know in one passage in the Bible, one book in the Bible, a remarkable man If I said to you this morning, have you heard of the Apostle Paul? Everyone would say a resounding yes. But if you go to many churches and ask people, have you ever heard of someone called Ananias? Often there's silence. And yet I would suggest to you that if it hadn't been for Ananias, we might never have heard of the Apostle Paul. You remember the dramatic conversion of Saul of Tarsus on his way to Damascus? literally stopped in his tracks, he encounters the risen, living Jesus. Who are you, Lord Solas? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Isn't that a fascinating response? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Who was Paul or Saul as he was then persecuting with his other henchmen, the gang he was in? It was the follow, it was the church, it was the people who were following Jesus. And yet Jesus is saying, you're actually persecuting me. This is my body you're attacking. This is my body you're trying to destroy and exterminate. Get up and go to the city and you will be told what you're to do. And then in Acts 9, verse 10, we read this. Acts 9, verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, look at Ananias' reaction and response. It is perfectly understandable. Remember the reputation Saul of Tarsus would have had in circles where Jesus was followed. That man's a dangerous man. That man's out to get us. That man's out to arrest us. Remember, Saul of Tarsus had been there when Stephen was stoned to death. He was part of a kind of political, religious, paramilitary group, a gang, a gang that went around and killed. So when the risen Jesus says to this humble believer, Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go and pray with Saul of Tarsus, you can understand why Ananias says, Lord, 
Verse 13, Acts 9. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Lord, do you know what this man is like? I sometimes think it would have been like George Bush being asked to go and have afternoon tea with bin Laden. Could you have seen that happening? Not at all. But look at what happens, and I think this is wonderful. Verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go. And verse 17, then Ananias went to the house, and he entered it. Obedience. Obedience. All his fears, all his hesitations, but he knew the Lord had called him. And he got up and he went. I wonder, has the Lord been calling some of us this week to obey him in some specific areas where we haven't been? Maybe he's calling some of us to new areas of ministry and service. Like Ananias, are we willing to get up and go? See, what did Ananias have? Well, I can tell you what he had. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. And the feet of those who obey Christ's call are beautiful feet. And some of the most wonderful words you will read anywhere in the whole Bible, we read next. When he went into that house of Judas in Straight Street, and he saw Saul of Tarsus, the new believer... What did he say to him? Brother Saul. Wow. Wow. Brother Saul. Can you just imagine what that must have meant to Saul of Tarsus? Some of the first words he ever heard from a follower of Jesus. Brother Saul. I hadn't planned to say this this morning, folks, but in the light of a conversation I had last night, I think it's right to say it. How do we treat new Christians? Look at the example of Ananias, brother Saul. He welcomes him. He prays with him. Saul receives his sight. He launches out on this incredible adventure and the rest is history. Last night, a young man came to talk with me, and we prayed together. He's only a Christian a few months. I said, how have the last few days been for you? He said, oh, he said, I've had a tough couple of days. I said, tell me about it. Oh, he said, do you know what's really shocked me? He said, this is the man I told you about the other day whose work has gone up quite a few notches. He said, do you know what I can't get over? He said, I'm not having a hard time from the non-Christians. I'm having a hard time from some of the Christians I work with. And they're talking to me about, oh, this and that. And they're all secondary things, folks. Listen, in all of our traditions, we have differences. But let's, you know, let's wise up. With a brand new Christian, we don't launch into them about a whole thing's a lot of things that at the end of the day are secondary. 
What did Paul say in Ephesians? Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Build each other up. I thank God that I had the privilege of growing up in circles like Scripture Union, Crusaders, where from the very beginning of my Christian life, I was brushing shoulders with people from other traditions. What a privilege. Look at the example of Ananias, a man with beautiful feet, building up the new convert, loving him, welcoming him, affirming him, encouraging him. Who are the people who have encouraged you? Who are the people of beautiful feet in your life? I remember um, my dad died when I was eight years old, and when I was in my mid to late teens, we discovered my mum had cancer. I'm an only child. And I often say, two minutes in a doctor's surgery and your life is never the same again. And I remember making an appointment with our GP in a couple of minutes. He told me the score about my mother. She had six months to live, and almost to the day, he was right. And Trinity very kindly gave me the first term of my second year at university off so that I could care for my mum, nurse her, help her at home. She suffered horrendously. This is 1968, long before cancer treatment became as developed as it is now. And you know, there was a young girl training to be a nurse in the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast, and sometimes she'd be working all night on night duty. She'd get on the bus to Hollywood and she'd come and help me with my mum and do things with my mother that I couldn't do. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. And there she is. By a miracle, she agreed to marry me. Well, actually, I'm not sure she did, but she did marry me anyway. <laughs> Beautiful feet, folks. I remember a lady in Hollywood who used to call at our house from time to time when my mum was so unwell, she'd leave a bunch of beautiful flowers. She'd have a handwritten card. Boy, did that mean so much. So discreet, so thoughtful, so caring. Beautiful feet. There's a couple here this morning, and when my mum did die, they said to me, our home is your home. And nearly 50 years later, their home is still my home. Beautiful feet. Folks, this is what Christ's body beautiful is all about. This is what we've been looking at this week. This is about living a life that is worthy of our calling. This is about living the kind of life that impacts others, that changes churches and communities. Our second daughter, was serving one year in, as she did for quite a few years, with Greystone CSSM, just south of Dublin. We were living in Coleraine at the time. We got a phone call to say that she wasn't well. Um, two different doctors came to see her and diagnosed gastroenteritis. But she wasn't getting any better after several days, and we drove from Coleraine to Dublin. We collected her. We drove straight back to Coleraine, clearly she was very ill. We went straight to the doctor. He said, this girl is not well. He got her on a drip. He phoned Coleraine Hospital, said we can't take her, we're full up. 
phone several hospitals, sorry, eventually got her into Antrim. Having driven from Dublin, she's now in an ambulance on her way to Antrim. Within a very short time, she's in theater in the evening. At about 11 o'clock or half 11 at night, Helen and I are sitting outside the theater in a corridor in the first floor in Antrim Hospital, anxious parents. We don't know what's going on. The medic didn't, surgeon didn't know what he'd find when he was going to operate. We were praying. And I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital late at night, but apart from accident and emergency, some parts of the hospital can be quite quiet. And as we were sitting there, we could hear footsteps coming down the corridor. And round the corner came a friend from Coleraine. He'd been going to bed, and someone had telephoned him to say, did you hear Tanya Clark's been admitted to hospital? Instead of getting into bed, he got into the car, and he drove from Coleraine to Antrim Hospital just to be with us. Beautiful feet, folks. Beautiful feet. You think of the people in your life, as I've been sharing with you about some people in mine, whom God has used to bring good news, encouragement, support, help. People with beautiful feet. I wonder, have you ever said thank you to those people whom God used in your life as people with beautiful feet? You know, they may never know God used them in that way. It may be such an encouragement to them. Please do it. Raymond asked us, will anything change or anything be different after this week? There's one thing to do. Go and say thank you to somebody God has used in your life. Helen and I were, went into a place um, not that long ago. We were in it looking around in this shop, and this lady came over and said, oh, I recognize your voice. I said, oh, really? She said, I heard you speak at New Horizon. I can't remember how many years ago it was. She said, you challenged us to go and say thank you to somebody who had helped us in our Christian lives. She said, after New Horizon, I did. I went to this person. I said, thank you. The tears streamed down their face. They'd no idea God had used them in that way. So folks, get on the phone, write a letter, send an email, whatever it is, simply to say, thank you. Beautiful feet. And did you notice with Ananias, it wasn't just beautiful feet, it was listening ears. He heard what the Lord was saying. And he obeyed. Now, I know, and the woman will certainly agree with this, we men have selective deafness. Isn't that right? Didn't I tell you about the old man who got his hearing aid? Yeah. Heard everything the family said for three months. They didn't know he could hear now. Changed his will three times. Great when you can hear. Great when you can hear. And God wants his people, his body beautiful, to be a people with listening ears. Do you remember at the transfiguration? Do you remember that message that came from the Father in heaven? Listen to him. Listen to what my son says. He speaks truth. He is the truth. Listen to him. And Jesus himself said many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We have a little niece, and 
when her mum and dad would kind of discipline her a little bit when she was a little tiny girl, she'd say, I'm not listening. <laughs> but hey, it's not just little girls say that. Sometimes followers of Jesus say that. We need to be good listeners, folks. Another mark of his body, beautiful listening ears. But let's turn around. We were thinking of the people God has used as people with beautiful feet in your life. Press pause button there. Who are the people this morning who could be thanking God for your beautiful feet or for my beautiful feet? And if there aren't any, why not? Why not? Because that's part of our calling, folks. We're called to be like Jesus. And my, if anybody had beautiful feet, Jesus did. I hope and pray that after these Bible readings this week, you and I will go out from this convention to be people with beautiful feet, good news people, and that we pray that our churches, our local churches, will become communities of people with beautiful feet. And why do we want to be that kind of person? Why do we want to be beautiful feet churches? Well, can I tell you why, just as we finish? I want you to come with me, please, in your imagination. And as you do, I want us to look up. And as we look up, we see two feet. They're bruised feet. They're bleeding feet. They are the feet of a man. They are the feet of a man who deserves to be there, for he's a criminal. He has fallen short of God's standards. He's fallen short of the standards of the society he's a part of. Maybe he's even fallen short of his own standards, I'm not sure. But he's there because he's guilty. He's enduring the punishment for the crimes he's committed. And then something incredible happens. Words are spoken into that man's life, which means his past is forgiven, his present is changed and his future is transformed. These are the words he hears. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Who said those words? Well, let's turn our heads a little bit. And as we look up, we'll see two more feet, bare feet, bruised feet, bleeding feet. They too are the feet of a man, but he's not guilty. He's innocent. He hasn't committed any crime. In fact, he never did anything wrong in his life. The feet we are now looking at are the feet of a young man. He's only 33 years old, and he, the innocent one, is dying for the guilty the pure for the impure. He's dying 
to bring not only the person beside him to forgiveness and to glory, but he's dying there for you and for me. They are the feet of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, if ever there were beautiful feet, the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ are stunningly beautiful. It's because of him that we want to be a body beautiful. It's because of him that we want to go out from this convention to be more like him, to make a difference, to make an impact. It's all because of him, Jesus. With this I finish. One of my best friends for most of his working life has worked in England. He's a bishop in England, actually, who just retired recently. And some years ago, he was visiting some people in his diocese, and he was visiting an old man. And he went into this old man's house, and just inside the door, there was a picture on the wall. And it was the picture of a stunningly beautiful woman. Now, I have to tell you, even a bishop notices something like that. And he did. And he said to the old man, oh, wow, that's beautiful. Well, he said, you know, Bishop, that's my wife. And he said, it's funny you should mention that picture because a few nights ago I had a dream about her. She died quite a few years ago. But he said, she looked just like that in that picture when I met her. And a few nights ago in this dream, I dreamt I was walking along a beach just beside the water's edge, and in the distance I could see someone walking towards me. And as the person got nearer, I realized it was my wife. And as we got up close, she looked exactly what she looks like in that picture. And I said to her, darling, you are beautiful. You are stunningly beautiful. And he said, Bishop, do you know what she said to me? Just wait till you see Jesus. Wow. Just wait till you see Jesus. You think you've seen beauty here, folks? Wow. We have so much more to look forward to. And as you and I see more and more of the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his grace, and his mercy, and his love, and his forgiveness, we become reflectors of his glory. And our heart's prayer and passion is that people will see something of his beauty in his church, his body beautiful, his bride beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let us pray. Father God, our heart's prayer this morning is that all over this island of Ireland and indeed throughout the world, people will see in the church of Jesus Christ people who are different, people who are grace-shaped, people who are Christ-like. Father, so fill us with your Holy Spirit 
that day by day we will be more like the one we profess to follow. Lord Jesus, may we see you more clearly. May we love you more dearly. And may we follow you more nearly day by day. In your name, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.